Welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Education podcast, the official podcast for the Charlevoix-Emmett Intermediate School District, featuring voices in education. My name is Mike Haynes, and I am the Director of Instructional Services at the Charlevoix-Emmett Intermediate School District. Today, it is my pleasure to be talking with Brad and Betsy Peterson, owners and founders of Brighter Fun, a children's learning product company. Betsy is an artist and illustrator. She spent the past several years building an art business and creating fun and playful designs for a wide variety of products. Brad started his path in education as a teacher and then went on to design and lead an innovative elementary school in Idaho called the Future Public School. Brad and Betsy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Glad to be here. So first, I want to ask each of you to share a little bit about your background. So let's start with Betsy. Betsy, what led you to a career in art, illustration, and the work that you're doing? It was kind of a roundabout way. I always loved art growing up, but I was told, like, all right, that's fun to do (laughs) for your own hobbies, but you'll have to get a different job. So. I went to college, I graduated um, with international relations degree, minored in Chinese, wow. and then instantly, it was while I was still in college, I started an Etsy shop, okay, so like cool. online <laughs> place for my art, and it grew from there. But I started with family portraits, and then I eventually started to share my work on Instagram, and um, from there started working with lots of different companies to create products for them. And now it's my career. So sometimes I, I like go back and think, wow, wouldn't it have been great if I like went to college for this? So I didn't <laughs> right. have to like look everything up on YouTube, but right. no, I, that, it really has made me feel like if anyone has a dream, it's like somebody's gotta be an artist. Somebody has sure. to design something, everything you see at a store and, um, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a roundabout way, but my dream came true eventually. <laughs> That's a great story. And, and you know, like like a lot of successful people, uh, you have to learn who to listen to and who not to when following I your know. dreams, right? <laughs> um, so it's still, Betsy, can you share some of your recent projects? Um, yeah, the most recent um, bigger project I finished was a uh, second children's book in a series. Um, mm. The first one was called I Am Quiet. And last year, it actually won Goodreads Children's Book of the Year, which was a huge deal, like a major, um, like, honor and just like a shock, honestly. Sure. And so we just finished up the follow-up that will be coming out next year called I Am Bold. So that was exciting. Also, have done um, some murals lately. It was a while ago, but I did last summer, I did a mural at the Petoskey Middle School. Oh, really? So, that's great. Yeah, for anyone that's going in there, that's a fun one to see. Okay, I'll have to check so that check out. It out. <laughs> I should probably apologize to the illustrators that are listening to this, because in the beginning I said I called you an artist and an illustrator, and I have to recognize the fact that being an illustrator is also an art. So uh, yeah. I apologize no. for any misconception there or misstatement uh, there. No, I I do that to myself also because I don't I do illustrate books, but a majority of my work is doing other things like I do murals, but also the majority of my time is spent doing like print design for okay. clothing companies. Great. So, yeah, anyway, you didn't misspeak, that's me <laughs> <laughs> doing a lot of different things. Yeah. So Brad, you went from uh, teacher uh, to reimagining what school could look like. Can you tell us about the future public school? 
Yeah, sure. It was, um, it was an opportunity that uh, came up to design and found and open a, a, a new school serving historically underserved communities um, in Idaho. Okay. And so uh, together with the co-founder, uh, we went through the process of doing that and building it, partnering with the local Boys and Girls Club and um, yeah, reimagining what, what school could look like, particularly for um, a diverse by design uh, type of school. And so it, Future Public School is a, a STEM school, okay. uh, kind of operating with the mindset from kindergarten up to be teaching computer science, um, you know, engineering, uh, heavy emphasis on science uh, from kindergarten, you know, up, but also integrating that with a diverse by design approach and just recognizing and lifting up the identity of every individual um, student, family, and, and uh, person in the community. So it's been, yeah, it was a really uh, amazing experience to be a part of that. And uh, we're still connected with the school. We were just back there a couple months ago for visiting and we were able to be there for the last day of uh, the school year and uh, say hi to you know some of our former students and the teachers and uh, my, my co-founder, Amanda, who's now the executive director there, but um, yeah, a couple of years ago we moved from from Idaho uh, back to okay. Petoskey, which is where Betsy grew up, and so um, yeah, now you know not connected uh, on the payroll with Future Public <laughs> School, but still connected, uh, you know, in spirit and in sport. So sure. it's a great opportunity to still see them, uh, you know, continue to achieve great things. That's what an exciting uh, opportunity, and it's great that you had that connection. You mentioned that the purpose of the school was to serve um, our underserved communities. So is this a, is this a, is the school that exists a, a model that is going to be replicated, or are there multiple schools in, in, in under the future public school umbrella? Right now, there's, a, there's just the one school. Okay. Um, it could be a model in the future, but what we really wanted to do is take a long-term approach and kind of, you know, prove the concept. And sure. starting to pay fruits right now, you know, there was just a news article that came out this year that future uh, for those uh, different identity markers in the at-risk uh, groups in Idaho is leading the way. Uh, and in three or four of those identity marker groups, it's in the top 10 of all the school districts throughout Idaho and as far as academic achievement um, for those students. And so it's just an amazing experience to know that, you know, when you place an emphasis on um, providing what the community asks for and would mm -hmm. like, and then lifting every person up and doing your best that, um, you know, those opportunities do pay dividends uh, for the whole community. That's great. It sounds like you both have quite a vision uh, for what you want your life and others to 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 be. Um, can you? So you both founded a company called Brighter Fun. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and the work that you do? Yeah. So Brighter Fun happened because we. Well, I had been scouring the internet for some kind of like emotional support tool for my own kids because we had bought all the workbooks about like practicing math over the summer <laughs> and handwriting and reading and vocabulary, but there really wasn't much available for like how to make friends, how to like care more about other people or show them that you care, how to understand how they are feeling. And so we decided to make our own. <laughs> and so it started with a Kickstarter for, um, 
our animal chat feelings cards and it was a wild success so we just kept going after that that's great and pretty important work too as you mentioned i mean there's we know so much about um, the importance today. Today, we know about the importance of social emotional learning and, and and addressing students' emotional needs as well as academics. So, the fact that there has been few resources out there, I, I appreciate the work you're doing to make sure that we start to see more of that in, out there. Absolutely, and just seeing the connection from a school perspective. You know, like you were mentioning, Mike. There's there's some resources in the school, but. As every educator knows, the school is just one component of a mm-hmm. kid's learning experience. And so being able to connect that with the home and families and caregivers and auxiliary organizations, um, being able to have those different resources and tools for all those stakeholders uh, is just something we wanted to help support. So true. And right here in our backyard in Petoskey, Michigan. So uh, I have a feeling we're going to be talking again. Uh, so we are all looking forward to both of you presenting at our area-wide professional learning day this fall. It's something the ISD has done for years. Uh, and this will be the first time back face-to-face since prior to the pandemic. So we're enthused about that. Your session is, uh, is going to be touching on the emotionally responsive classroom. Can tell? Can you tell us what an emotionally responsive classroom is? Sure. For us, an emotionally responsive classroom is a happy, safe place of comfort for everyone that's in there, for students, for teachers, or any educator that comes in. Okay. And it's a place where you are you know that you can share your feelings and emotions and that that's a part of who you are and it will be received and it will be there will be an openness to just being able to be yourself um, you know part of teaching is, is is so difficult in so many ways there's always a time crunch going on there's so many parts of the curriculum you have to um, teach and share and for a kid they don't know all the behind the scenes things necessarily mm-hmm. that educators have to deal with but they do know feeling pretty mad today because my best friend told me at recess that they weren't going to play with me and they're going <laughs> to play with somebody else. <laughs> and so that can really impact their learning or their ability to engage right. with, you know, the, the lesson for the day, for example, and being able to, as an educator, respond to that and acknowledge those and build tools and resources into your classroom is an important part of uh, an emotionally responsive classroom. So it sounds like being deliberate about creating that safe space for students to be themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what are you hoping that participants will get out of the session when they sign up to, to see you this fall? Yeah, some of the things we would like for participants to be able to do, uh, we kind of boil it down to kind of three um, bigger picture uh, things to take home. One is to be able to address emotional uncertainty with a restorative approach. Um, Mm -hmm. Two is to construct classroom unity and acceptance. And number three, we want to be able to weave emotional intelligence and emotional learning across the curricula. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something where it's a standalone extra thing that you have to teach. You know, you already have math, reading, science, so many music things going on. Um, but if you're able to kind of weave it into those and integrate it as a supplemental resource, uh, it can be a really powerful tool. So as educators do that, um, are there specific elements that need to be in place to ensure uh, that that 
classroom space is emotionally responsive or a school is emotionally responsive? Yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about this, um, having the intentional structure uh, in place. And we, we hope to kind of talk about that a little bit in our, um, in our session and how you can build that structure and how you can build those routines so that it's less um, pressure on the educator or the teacher too to like always be remembering or always be thinking because you have so many things mm -hmm. on your mind. But if you know if you have that structure and routine in place and you already know X happens, therefore we're going to do Y. And if kids know that, you know their kids are so responsive to expectations and routines. Um, you can really make your, your place, your classroom, your community, an emotionally responsive community. So the key is structures and having patterns that students and teachers are used to and accustomed to, to rely upon. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> so what have been some of the barriers that you've seen teachers or schools encounter when they're trying to establish emotionally responsive learning environments? Sure. Uh, we. The, always a big barrier can be time. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the time crunch. Uh, teachers, we might feel rushed or overwhelmed by the amount of work to do in the school year. And, um, you know, additionally, there is that element where we might feel inadequate or unprepared. We may not have had the education in our, you know, college years or other training years uh, to feel like we are experts in this field, for example. But it's also similar, like as a parent, you know, you feel that too sometimes. You don't feel like you know exactly what to do. And so that can be a barrier because if you don't, if you don't feel like you have the tools or resources, um, it, can be, it can be kind of a, a wall to, to jump over, so okay. to speak. Yes, I think you're, so you're really talking about just taking a few small steps and making a huge impact and so, you know, I'd like to think that this is not the case, but some people might say that schools should focus on student achievement. Um, how would you respond to that line of thinking? Is there research that supports how an emotionally responsive learning environment can affect student achievement positively? Well, yeah, there's so much um, research around the neuroscience of learning and that when there's like a safe space emotionally, students excel and I think we can see that anecdotally even, you know, that um, the, if someone is feeling isolated and alone and unsafe, they, it, you know, everything will be more difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, when we're in a safe place, however, we can take risks, we can be curious, we can learn about nearly anything. And um, that's so different from a community sure. with danger or shame and bullying, where the brain simply is like shutting down, trying to survive. And um, that's one thing also, it's like we can think about student achievement as like a broader picture also, that like these are human beings that will be able to succeed as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that. We're human beings, we're social beings. Our emotions connect us with our community. and. Uh, you know, a funny thing to even consider are the benefits of laughing and laughter. You know, there's scientific benefits that have been um, brought to light that laughing reduces anxiety, it reduces tension and stress, reduces loneliness, it improves our self-esteem, 
restores our energy, it even strengthens immunological functioning, and it also exercises and relaxes our muscles. So we could all have a bit more laughter in our lives uh, at home and in our classrooms. That's, that's great advice that would fit on just about, in about every topic or every conversation we have, so thank you. Uh, and I really like, Betsy, you mentioned the you know, neuroscience involved in, in this. And, um, and when you think about, you know, there's a whole continuum of places where your brain can be responding in any environment from fight, fight to flight, uh, fight or flight to, you know, to really being engaged in, at a high level. So I really appreciate that you touched on the fact that the research is supporting that keeping students at that optimum place where they can learn and focus is important. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I think uh, just, you know, we had a, we had a recent um, book launch, we put together this activity book, it's called Feeling All the Feelings, and it's an activity book for kids to uh, explore these different emotions and find out why they're important, find out how they can learn more about themselves and others through their emotions. Okay. It was a really fun experience when the book launched um, in April, we were able to connect with the local schools in Petoskey and Harbor Springs, and a lot of kids came to Central Elementary School and we had an assembly. and. Uh, did just like a fun uh, assembly with some activities. Lots of laughter. A lot of <laughs> laughing. The kids really like that, you know, I like pickles and <laughs> Betsy likes potato chips, uh, for example. But that really brought it home to us that like, you know, as members of this Northern Michigan community, you know, the work that we do, we want to support families and, and educators everywhere, but also being right here in our town, in our community, um, connecting with, uh, there's like two or 300 kids there. Yeah. Uh, it really brings home the importance and, you know, every kid matters, every educator matters, and we want to just, you know, share anything that we can to help do our part to help uh, build our community. What a great yeah, purpose. Also. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, what was that? I just was thinking, what a great purpose that you're living by and, and running your, doing, letting your work uh, drive that purpose. And so I appreciate that. But Betsy, you were going to say something? Oh, just a side note about that activity book. It just won a national parenting award last week. So that's awesome. pretty big deal. So <laughs> where can our listeners find, what is the best place to find your books? McLean and Eakin? McLean and Eakin. We love supporting <laughs> okay. local yeah. bookshops, but also Amazon, which okay. we don't love Amazon, but also it's like so easy. So sure. <laughs> they're distributed anywhere books are sold, you know, yeah. Target, um, Online. Okay. They're distributed by Penguin Random House, so um, lots of places to find them. Yeah. And, yeah, but we just appreciate that and um, are always happy to do any assemblies or anything just for fun. Or Yeah, it was do, so fun. Uh, you know, one on one talk with any kid or teacher mm -hmm. or anything. Well, I'm certain that uh, when the thousands of people in North Michigan hear this interview, that you may be receiving some phone calls and, and requests uh, to fill your calendar. Um, it's you know it's been a pleasure having this this conversation with you. I, I thank you for your willingness to share what you've learned and your passion and the purpose that drives you. Um, I look forward to seeing you this fall at our area wide professional learning day, November first. I'm sure that many of our listeners will will now. Uh, make a note to add you to the, the list of uh, folks that they want to see on that day. Um, so again, thank you for talking a little bit more about your work and the Emotionally Responsive Classroom. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Mike. See you then.
Thank you for listening to the Leaders in Education podcast. Please check out our archive for past episodes. And remember, the great thing about learning is that you never have to stop.